0: I don't know how to start. I don't know how to start. I guess I'll I'll introduce myself. I'm Alex Salzberg. Um, I'm recording this intro here in my apartment in Boston. I actually just got back from Tel Aviv. I'll talk more about that in some other episodes. I don't really know what to say on the first episode. On the one hand, it feels like a lot of pressure because it's like the first episode. This is your first impression of the podcast. Oh my God. (laughs) I don't know what to do about that. This has been a long time coming. Uh, I started interviewing people on stage about six or seven years ago, and it's something I never really thought I would do, but I fell in love with it, and I just loved having those conversations and facilitating those conversations. And simultaneously, other podcasts that have been conversations between creative people have been so incredibly helpful to me and have kept me company while I'm creating and just so important to me. So I just want to, I want to do it too. I started this in 2017 in some form or another. And um, I'll talk more probably in like other intros about the whole journey to getting this to where it is. But I really want to talk about what finally tip the scales, because that's today's guest. Today's guest is Peter Levine. He's a filmmaker. He also works at Cambridge Community Television, where he creates a whole bunch of projects, works with members, he teaches. Um, And something we talk about a lot in this conversation is that he's the founder of the Weird Local Film Festival. But without knowing it, inadvertently... Peter was really, really instrumental in getting this to your ears right now. Again, it was 2017 when I started this project. And since then, there was almost consistently some item on the to-do list about this podcast. Often it was something just to Just to tell myself I was still going to do it, like brainstorm ideas for podcast or list a bunch of guests I could have on the podcast. But it was all just those things we do when we're spinning our wheels. And sometimes I feel like I spin my wheels when like a project isn't right for my life. Uh, But sometimes it's just fear or sometimes a project is so important to you that you put it off for years and years and years. But for whatever reason, back in February or March of this year, 2022, um, my to-do list items became a little bit more concrete. I told myself I was actually going to reach out to three potential guests. And it was still wheel spinning. I was just like, I'm just going to see if they're interested and then maybe I'll they'll say, "Yeah, I'm interested." And then maybe, you know, I would think about the next steps. But then I reached out to Peter, who's a friend of mine, and his reply was basically like, "Hey, do you have a place to record because you can record at CCTV where I work, and um you could do that for all your episodes, and we could set it up right now." And my reply was still kind of like wheel spinning. I was like, wow, that's so cool. Yeah, I'm definitely going to like uh, take you up on that when we decide to record. He replied, cool. Yeah, let's why don't we record on Monday or Wednesday? And, you know, I I couldn't think of a good reason to say no. I had a guest who was willing to record who had studio space that he was generously offering for me to try out. So I recorded the first episode, and um, after that, I was able to build momentum and start recording more and editing, and now it's July, and now this is coming out, and now you're hearing it. So yeah, first off, I'm so grateful to Peter, but it also just made me think about how I want to be in other people's lives as like a fellow creator. I really, um, I want to make sure I'm always the person who, when someone comes to me with a project, Uh, I respond as if it's moving forward, as if it's already successful, as if it's already real. Because you really, you just don't know when people need that. Sometimes it takes another person to be like, hey, let's meet and talk about this. Or, hey, yeah, let me, do you want feedback on that script? Do you want some advice on that? And it's like sometimes it takes an offer of the next step to get someone unstuck, I guess. I want to be someone who gets people unstuck. And I really appreciate the people who get me unstuck. And sometimes you don't know when people are stuck. So it's good to always be supportive in the way that Peter was to me. I'm also just really excited he was the first guest on this podcast because this is exactly the type of conversation I'm excited to share with you. I'm also really nervous to share it with you because it is vulnerable in that we talk about um, things with artist communities and the pandemic. And um, we have a long talk about, you know the fear of talking ourselves into some sort of perceived mediocrity or... You just got to hear it. It's going to be so good. Some context. uh, As I mentioned, Peter co-founded a film festival called Weird Local and I co-founded a artist talk meetup um, called Animatic Boston. We'll talk a lot about that because we, we both relate on creating scenes for artists in a local community like Boston. And we recorded this in March 2022. So as of this episode release, um, there has been another weird local event. It was really fun. Um, and there are Without giving anything away, some animatic events in the works, too, in case you're curious. So let's get to this conversation, because I truly, truly loved it. Let's meet our guest and hear about his connection to me.
1: My name is Peter Levine, and I know Alex Salzberg through
0: organizing and
1: collaborating and
0: I, I, ah. <laughs> I love it or, organizing made us sound political and, um, and oh yeah and useful. I,
1: I can do a better job at that I think my name is Peter Levine and I know Alex Salzberg through collaborating with our arts organizations so I run weird local film festival along with a lot of other volunteers and we've done a lot of joint
0: programs with animatic Boston yes Hi, Peter. Welcome to a podcast I haven't named yet.
1: Oh, I can't wait to find out what it's called, but thank you for
0: having me on whatever it is. (laughs) We'll see if I edit it in or leave it vulnerable that that you're my first guest.
1: Are you going to edit your own voice and are you going to put a computer voice?
0: I'm thinking like a celebrity, but I never tell anyone who it is. Just (laughs) John Lovitz or... Well, (laughs) no, don't say who it is. Sorry, I ruined it. Someone like a a Lovitz (laughs) type. That's beautiful. Um, I love this. So (laughs) I'm going to open right off the top with a big... Question: What is something you're currently going through in your creative life, or where your creative life overlaps with your entire life? So, whoa, it, it could be like <laughs> a problem—a problem you're trying to solve. I know, right? It could be a decision you're trying to make. It could just be something you're feeling weird and angsty and anxious about.
1: Incredible! That's an incredible question. I'm, <laughs> I'm remarked. I'm shocked. <laughs> <laughs> so, as far as a creative thing I'm working on. One of the issues that I have is that maybe maybe it's a strength but sometimes I wonder if this is a problem. I have trouble specializing. I'm definitely a generalist at heart. I I have a short attention span. I love doing all kinds of projects. So primarily I started professionally and creatively just most confident in editing. I learned how to use cameras, and then I started making my own animations, and then I do live action stuff, and then I do short films that are more straight laced. Then I do like all the stuff that's kind of wacky and more absurdist, and I like that. I like that that makes me happy. Every project's different, but I'm really trying to chart a course to merge a lot of these mm. interests so that I can make
0: something that's really uniquely me. That's something I've been thinking about a lot lately. I also, you know, I I animate. I have interest in podcasts. I write, I teach, organizing events and, and all these things. And I treat them all as art forms. And even within animation, I direct, I produce, I design. And I I always had this suspicion for years, the negative side of it, that if I just picked one, I'd be really successful by now. <laughs> but like because I have such a short attention span and I always want to jump between things, I'm just like behind in all of them. And and I'm trying at this moment sometimes successfully to reframe it, as you said, like a strength.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you relate to it. I'm I'm sorry if it feels weird sometimes, but I, I, I have family that's in LA. And one of the things that I've heard from friends there is because there are so many people being creative, and really a way to build your career is to be a total specialist. Mm. And I think uh, one of the reasons I am, I'm content not living in those places, even though people are achieving at such a high level, because you can be more of a journalist and get work In other places because they want to hire an animator they want to hire a video person and they want that person to do almost everything because there isn't a full industry infrastructure so here it's a real strength i think and and i you know there's always that struggle of like well i'm a serious creator and i must (laughs) move to new york and la i don't know what that (laughs) accent is but that's the serious creator accent
0: I love it. Jury's out if it's offensive. Yeah, I'm so sorry to if anybody <laughs> LA kind of looms. Even if you don't want to go, it's a character in all of our our stories. I'm actually kind of curious to flip this and ask you like what is your relationship with Boston? My relationship with Boston right now is pretty
1: good. Mm-hmm. I was considering moving. I I uh, I think through the deep pandemic um it was just the term I'm using.
0: No, I like that. The deep
1: pandemic. But <laughs> through that time, I really kind of forgot the feeling of community here. Oof. And I needed to blame something. And I was like, it is the greater Boston community. Artists cannot live and thrive here. And I think I'm ready to graduate to a more serious artistic city. Mm. I, it was really a little pretentious, pretty no, arrogant.
0: I, so I kind of had this feeling before the pandemic, I, I felt like the art community that I was like, I was a, a small piece of creating and then a l- part of the larger picture. It felt like this nice brick building that had been built up and I was so, felt proud and a part of it. And then I feel like the pandemic made me feel like it was just like a Jenga or something. One block came out, it felt like it just dissolved. That's I lost the Jenga metaphor. Yeah. And... I don't know if that's fair to anyone in particular to say, like, it wasn't that one Django lock got pulled out. It's that the ability to spend time together in person, which is huge, got pulled out. I'm curious what you felt like was missing during the pandemic.
1: I'm a real people person. It really spiritually is so important to me to be around. People that can feel excited together and, and make stuff together, and, and losing that physical space with yeah. each other and, and that being at risk was a. Uh you know, it was just really hard to feel like there was any connection. So it was like, how can you build anything here? And I and I think I took it out specifically <laughs> on the community because it was like what well, was around me. I was like, Well, yeah. this this place is just there's no there's no way you can build anything that lasts here. And I think you and I have talked about how it's like there are so many artists here, but it's hard to connect them. So I, I think I, I wanted to blame the Greater Boston area, but it seemed like that was happening everywhere. Everybody right. felt this wherever they were. I think it sh- the pandemic shallowed out a little bit, <laughs> and I, you know, maybe took a few trips or you know had some fun experiences and realize and you know come back and I'm like, oh, you know what? This place has got something. I, a lot of creative partners and I are like, we have these big plans and our skills. Realizing how much our skills have grown in the last few years, even in right. the pandemic. It's like, oh my gosh! Now we have, now we can do it all. We have better <laughs> skills than than the old world or whatever, <laughs> and we're all super motivated again. You know, like people are so happy to see each other. It, it really right. fills that
0: cup up quickly. So something we've talked a lot about is starting these local scenes, and I think sustaining them, which is a, a whole different thing. So, I'm curious to talk a little about like where you were at when Weird Local began.
1: I had been a musician, I'd been a cellist, and in music school, when you worked on something really hard, you'd wanna plan a recital, you'd wanna show your work and uh, make anybody feel guilty for not coming to that. (laughs) And I loved, that That was my favorite part of music school. I didn't particularly like the work of being a classical musician, Mm. that was not great for me, but I loved performing, I loved programming these events. And I would I would try to surprise people with like weird stuff in between pieces, and maybe do a little bit of like bantery stand up stuff in between. A lot of people would say like that didn't feel like a normal music
0: school recital, right. and
1: I was like, maybe they were insulting me, but I was like,
0: yeah, that's uh, that's great. It, this is a, a side note, but uh, have you read the book Intentional Gatherings by Priya Parker? No, because it, that's what you're describing. You're treating the gathering itself as an art form rather than just um, well. You said
1: that when you you're saying like I treat all of these things as an art form. You you talked about gathering is that I I noted that (laughs) I've I've never heard that
0: I've often felt that way and I feel that from weird local too when I started Animac Boston it wasn't just like oh we want to meet so let's meet it was what decisions are we making that are specific to this meetup it sounds like you already had this interest in creating these intentional gatherings well my
1: favorite part of that part of my life was that yes it's creating these as you call it intentional gatherings so as I realized that, you know, at the end of college, it was pretty clear to me that the lifestyle of a professional classical musician was so relentless. And (laughs) if I didn't love, love, love the work, which I didn't even close to love the work, Mm. I should probably find something else. So after years of doing other types of work from administrative to all kinds of things, I... For one of my jobs, I was making videos, and then they started paying me for that, and I was just like, "Whoa, this is so fun, and creative." A few years later, you know, I was I, I made something that I was really I worked really hard on. It was an animation that I basically taught myself how to animate in After Effects. I mean, it's from legitimate animators. I think it would be kind of weird to watch because it's very. It's just like an idiot trying to use the, a beautiful tool. <laughs> and I, I'm proud of it because I think it, it is individualistic, but it's, yeah. it's definitely like, you can I can see where I learned everything like in the 40 minutes of the piece. Right. So I was just like, uh, it's kind of, you know what? I wonder if I asked a few of my friends if we'd all show some stuff if they would be part of it. And so I had a few friends who I asked that had just finished some shorter films, you know, 15 to 20 minutes. So three, we we get these three films together and we we were going to just do it at the TV studio where I worked at that point. But I had a friend who coordinated events for the warehouse space that we now go right. to. And she was like, well, that date's open. Why don't you just come over here? And so we did it and it was just, it just felt right. It was so fun with like yeah. minimal advertising. All of these people came, people I didn't even know, and it was just—it was just this little show. And uh, then people, and people approached me in a way that I'm sure you got with the animatic community a lot, yeah. where people will come up to you after and be like, "This, this was really special.
0: Yeah, I
1: really feel connected here. I hope Man. you keep doing that. Yeah. I imagine I, I no, it had to happen. too. hundred percent.
0: There's a side of this that I want to talk about, which maybe is a weird side to explore. There's obviously probably thousands of amazing artists in Boston, and and yet. You have to dig a little deeper to find the, the community. So I do think when people go to an event like that, you have this moment where you're like, why am I not doing this all the time? What, it's so easy to not leave your house on a Tuesday night or a Thursday night or any night. But there's something about local events, community events, where you're like, I am living a life I am part of a bohemian. I know, These scarf-y glasses yeah.
1: people that I love. Yeah, I <laughs> geniuses. Am, it really
0: does yeah, feel special, and it does. But the the flip side of that is, I, I sort of started feeling a lot of pressure. Like <laughs> people need me to make this happen. Because it's so important. I'm
1: realizing it is rare for Mm -hmm. people that like to make and like to organize because they're very Mm -hmm. different parts of the brain. I mean, a lot (laughs) of people don't want to go through the struggle of that and would rather focus solely on their art. And I think you and I as generalists, I guess, are
0: straddling. And I spent years saying somebody should start this. And then I just did. What are the qualities that you and I have, you think, that make us both artists who are able to also post and run events?
1: I get the impression you are a people person. I yeah. think uh, community is probably something you've always enjoyed. Some of the greatest artists, some of my favorite <laughs> artists, I've met in person, and it is not a warm, fun experience. Right. And then there are some, like other artists who are super easy to talk to. You know, it's really it's this whole spectrum. And I, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know specifically.
0: I, I think it's a mix of you have to have some detail orientation. I think something a lot of artists have that I envy because i'm the other side of it is that they're a little more (laughs) relaxed about things in some ways or a little more like let's see what happens yeah it's like the magic of the spontaneity yeah and and that's great and there needs to be i think some pinch of that in events because you have to leave room for it to evolve there's
1: no way you can plan it
0: thoroughly through it's always going to surprise you but on the flip side my feeling personally and, and i I have this feeling of responsibility, in a sense. I'm basically saying, come o- come over to my house tonight instead of being on your couch. Now, in this moment, my house is the Armory for the Arts in Somerville, and we're, you know, interviewing an animation designer, so it's it's a cool house. But like, <laughs> I feel this responsibility of I want everything to feel like I'm putting effort into this to reward your effort for. Coming to my event.
1: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. But another thing that I think both of us have is being social and being socially anxious. Mm -hmm. And I think, uh, you know, I think both of us share that. A lot of my planning is is out of fear of failure and embarrassment. There's also this Mm -hmm. need, there's this fire, this need to bring people together, but also like this fear of bringing people together. I've always been somebody that it's so hard to get to the party, but once I'm there... I love it.
0: I share that, but I think something for me is I'm, and this is true for more, um, you know, the type of party, quote unquote, we're talking about like art community events and true for just straight up a party. I am most comfortable when I'm hosting the party. The home party version of it is I feel like it's a little easier to welcome my friends or to talk to people when I'm like preparing the charcuterie board or being like, let me take your coat. Let me do it. it's like you
1: always have stuff to yeah, do. Yeah, there's like
0: business to do. And I and I feel the same way. Like I am more for for better for worse. I don't think this is necessarily a good thing, but I'm I'm more comfortable at Animatic Boston. I'm more relaxed at Weird Local, if that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. I feel like I have more of a personality when I have when I'm hosting I don't know. I don't know what it is. I
1: think we differ a little bit in that. Okay. I'm more comfortable and more relaxed at Animatic Boston.
0: Mm. Tell me about that. I, uh,
1: I kind of have these big arcs where it's just very, I'm very relaxed. Then all of a sudden I'm like super stressed. Mm. I get angry at something. Um, I mean, fortunately I am pretty in control of my anger and stuff, but I'm just like, that, that, that wasn't right.
0: They yeah. did something weird. What are you most stressed about on, on the day of setting up an event?
1: Um, I think tedium, and I'm realizing a lot of it is, is self-inflicted, is because I do not delegate well. I mean, I, what's cool about organizing events for me is that I feel like it makes me a better producer-director for my own films, too. Right. When we were first doing Weird Local for a long time, I was so micromanagerial that, uh, you know, if something was unclear to somebody that was helping or somebody came in and was like, where does this go? everyone would be like, you should talk to Peter. Yeah, And then it's just 90 people with little problems. This is something I am structurally setting up. I'm setting up a lot of pressure on myself. And I think there's a trust issue I have. I'm afraid of somebody embarrassing me Mm. because I'm afraid of embarrassing myself. I've been trying to delegate better and I'm learning how to do that. And it's, uh, I think I'm I'm chilling out a little bit. I can't say I'm perfect <laughs> at it, but it's it's getting better as yeah. I trust and trust and I trust more.
0: I don't think this can sustain a new project, but I sometimes think when you start a new project, sometimes it can be driven not by spite, but by like, I don't like this about other events. I want to make one that's what I like. Was there any of that for Weird Local?
1: Oh, very very much so. I'm... I'm really frustrated by institutional validation and how it is uh, sometimes handed over to us and sometimes just seems arbitrarily seemingly not granted to us. Mm. And, I, I, uh, and I, I would say that there are film festivals that I adore, but there is a major scam culture in film festivals. There is uh, I Even the festivals I love the most, if you get... In order to apply... Um, it costs at least $35 yeah. if you're on time. You get accepted. Yeah. Then you have to travel to the place. Then you have to get a hotel. Then you have to go. And they, oftentimes, yeah. you don't even get a free ticket to your own screening. So ultimately, to participate in a film festival, at minimum, you have to spend 200 to $300 if you get in.
0: Right, right.
1: That is so upsetting it's to me. It's so
0: strange. And like...
1: And I get that the economics of running a film festival are really really tough. Yeah, I know we've, we've that. We've both
0: been on the other side of yeah, it. Yeah. none so of we we're not making
1: money. Right.
0: I it's not I, I don't make money. Right.
1: We're local. Right. I just and I don't think a lot of these festivals do either, but right. it's just insane that in order to get that stamp you have to fork yeah. up a driver's registration amount of right. money, which also is a ridiculous driver's right. registration should not be $300. Anyways.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what was it about Weird Local that you felt Pushed against that in more institutional film festival vibe.
1: Um, well, I like I like that it is free to submit. Mm-hmm. Um, I am really adamant about that, and that's been something. Few people have approached me trying to figure out how do we grow this. Like they'll yeah. come to my event, you know, somebody who maybe isn't like an artist or something. Right. there' a friend of mine. Come to this, like a marketing guy or something. <laughs> Let's like,
0: scale this. Exactly.
1: They're like, wow. Well, clearly you got something good on your hands. How do we make this bigger? I just feel like we're um, closer to uh, informal screening than we are to a like sundance style thing, which I think sundance is mm. important. But I like I like it. I like that we're not in a the theater. I, I just want us to feel like a little magical weird thing that yeah. people can be like, what the
0: hell was that? How do you how do you create just the right amount of informal? There are events you go to that are meant to be informal, and they are too informal. And that the, <laughs> there's no control over. Man, you got to read intentional gatherings, but the, or art of the gathering, it's called. Uh, but there's no control. That's anarchy. It's yeah, chaos. no, no one's at the wheel. There's no, there's no, you know, parent driving the minivan. So it's just a car full of children. But then uh, on the flip side, if you don't create some informality, then the audience or the or the guests have no role to play in the event.
1: there needs to be at least a loose structure, yeah, I really it hurts my stomach to go to events where you're sitting there and staring at the stage when something's supposed to happen and nothing happens and it, and the audience doesn't know if they can talk to their friend, yeah. but they don't want to miss anything and so you and you just sit there and it's like it's i like my my anxiety, my stomach hits there and it, I've been to a ton of DIY shows and I really like. That style. I like the basement show Mm -hmm. aesthetic. I like people coming in and even though, you know, a lot of the people that are planning it are like, Oh yeah, we don't have any rules, but like No, there's rules. It has to be. Otherwise everyone's hanging out, drinking, talking, and then all of a sudden the music plays and then you know, the people that really want to engage with that can do that. So it's it's trying to figure out something that's very clear and clean and understandable.
0: But also organic. Our big thing was that I felt like we were not fighting against, but trying to be a um, an alternative to was this idea of a networking event. So <laughs> networking, I know, know just hurts hit you right in the here. stomach because networking to me, I just think of what can this person get me? How can this person help? It
1: feels me? transactional.
0: Yeah, and community to me feels like we are a group of people who help each other. Yeah, I love artist talks. I always have. I love conversations with artists, and then. But the not trying to make it a networking event just led to some really interesting decisions. I was like, no, name tags. I do not want to be in a room full of people with name tags (laughs) who feel like they're at some corporate. And it's so stupid. Like, name tags are not the enemy. It's the overall thing. But you want it to
1: feel different.
0: I also really felt like um, the venue was so important that it didn't feel like a... I didn't want to do...
1: Hotel ballroom.
0: Hotel ballroom. But also I didn't want to associate it with any particular studio or any particular university. I do think a hallmark of not just our own things, but events that are memorable, which could be anything from a baseball game to a funeral to whatever, is <laughs> really <laughs> quite a list. <laughs> really the two American traditions. <laughs> could be could be really um is there something about really specific choices? What specific choices do you think are trademarks of weird Local?
1: I think I'm gonna dodge that question with kind of a, a more general answer here. How, how dare you? No, I, you know, um, you can't, you can't get me in this. <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> but uh, I, I think what we've really tried to do, me and the other organizers, is really just, I, I, it's really. I think what we're trying to avoid is insincerity. Mm-hmm. I, I really, it, it seems so cheesy, but that's, I don't know. I just really, uh, I feel yeah. good about the authenticity of it. And that's why we're almost, you know, it's almost been five years for us. So it must be, yeah. what, six
0: years for you? Oh, and God. I think we started seven? in 2015. Yeah, seven, you might be
1: hidden seven so That
0: includes some uh, pandemic I years. I know. I'm, gonna, yeah, but yeah, I'm yeah.
1: counting them. We're yeah, going to do, yeah. I think uh, we're going to try to do a five-year yeah. anniversary thing in well, August, but-
0: that, that's maybe a good segue for, I'm going to... Yeah, sorry for dodging sorry. your question. No, no, that that's probably a good segue of pandemic, talking about what I'm going through, or one thing I'm I'm going through in my creative life. Do tell. I specifically wanted to talk about this with you. So basically, you know, five or six years ago, I, with the help of many people, started this group, Animatic Boston. We host artist talks every month. And similar to Weird Local, it's become part of, or even on its own, what I would call a scene It's in that it's, I think, something that people look forward to. People have made friends through it. People have gotten work through it. And I'm I'm very proud of that. I felt like we were kind of hitting, in a sense, our peak a little bit before the pandemic. And then, of course, like everything in the world, you know, um, the...
1: No, what happened? I'm just kidding.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know, it was obviously ground to a halt. And for the first year of the pandemic, I was not... Resistant to the idea of doing virtual events. I've been to virtual events. I like them. I just wasn't that interested in doing it. I, I think there's just a lot of other stuff going on. It was a stressful time in the world, you know. Yeah, a-, a lot of people were saying like, well, "Just go virtual. Just go virtual." And, and maybe it's that um, like intentional gathering in me. If I go virtual, it's got to be its own work of art. You know what I mean? <laughs> it can't just be like. What we do, but on Zoom. Totally. Which I think a lot of people tried to do. I get it. There's only so much energy and people also had to pivot really fast. But I think some of the most successful virtual endeavors that I saw during the pandemic were the ones who were like, What's different about going virtual? You know? So basically there was a year where it just didn't happen. And and that's when I started to have this, oh, it just dissolved thing. Like Ugh, everyone's just forgetting about it. I guess it didn't matter that much, even though it was me who wasn't running it. And then we, in 2021, I got inspired to do a couple of virtual talks. And I, again, went in with intention. And I even went in with like, this is the alternative to what I hate about certain virtual things. I was like, it is going to be one hour.
1: (laughs) Good for you. Because
0: people do not want to stare at Zoom. I I can't remember what else. But anyway, so I I did a few (laughs) and they were really fun, but... For me, they didn't scratch that itch of community so much because it's it's just not the quite the same on, on Zoom. And, you know, it wasn't a bunch of people in a room. So I enjoyed the creative process of it, whatever. And then it just kind of stopped again. And so it's not just about Animatic Boston. It's for me, Boston as a whole. What I'm kind of going through is that I feel like I already grieved the loss of Animatic Boston. I feel like I'm in a position where I'm like, do I... Do I unearth this? And the and the things that I'm weighing are a few things. I feel like maybe if I let go of Animatic Boston a little bit entirely, rather than kind of half cling to it, like I have okay. during the pandemic, it might make room for me to move on to other new things to build. In. And then on top of that, I am entering a period of my life, I don't know how long it will be, where I spend a few months in Boston, and then a few months in Tel Aviv, and then a few months in... Boston and then I do, and I don't even know there might be other cities involved. So yeah. it also just literally doesn't necessarily fit my life right now. And so that's kind of what I'm going through where part of a part of me wants to let go, move forward, and a part of me feels guilty about that and would miss it. That's tough. So there's, there's just a lot in there. That if I had already gone through it, I'd be more eloquent about it, but I'm currently going through it. No, I,
1: I have some questions. Yeah, can please. I, can I ask you about this? So, okay. So I, I yeah, I, I can relate to that a lot, actually. There was, I think, before the pandemic, I the last few events where I was really, I it was bizarre. I wasn't really living them. Uh-huh. Um, we were doing the stuff and on stage I felt really good. But every time I left stage, I was like, am I enjoying this anymore?
0: Right. Um, am I enjoying it or am I just doing it?
1: Yeah, exactly. It's like, well, this thing exists. People mm-hmm. are excited about it. That's cool. Um, I think I have a fear of losing something good for sure. Yep. And I'm wondering if that's <laughs> That's a
0: huge part of it for me.
1: One of the goals for me was that there would be more screenings that would pop up too. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, well, if these idiots can do it and it's that fun and like, let's just do it. And it just like didn't
0: happen. Yeah, I felt that way too. And,
1: it, you know, and... It, like a lot of what you said about animatic boss, my, my questions will come eventually. A lot of what you said about animatic Boston where it's like, yeah, it's amazing. People are meeting each other and they're collaborating. They're becoming friends, getting work, all this stuff. Yeah. That's so satisfying. Yeah. But if it's just you who's sustaining, who's putting the fire under this thing, it's like, well, I'm not like 28 anymore and I've learned so much. And like, what do I do next? So would, could you see having a successor?
0: I would love nothing more than if somebody emailed me and was like, hey, there hasn't been an Animatic Boston event in a while, but I kind of want to run one, any advice. I mean, that would, (laughs) in a way, that would solve all my problems because then I could (laughs) just be like, great, I didn't kill it. I think some of it is like, I feel like I, and again, not alone, but I feel like I brought it to life. I was the the Dr. Frankenstein, and now if it doesn't happen anymore, I feel like I've killed something that like people like, which I know is irrational, but
1: I yeah. understand the feelings, but I also am like, no. Yeah. You gotta do the right thing for you. Cause if your heart's not right. in it, I don't think the events will even be as yeah. good
0: anymore. And it's not, it's not that I don't like them on an individual. For instance, we we ran a uh We're local and animatic have a combined event, first or worst, which I love. Yeah, that was and super fun. We ran that and I had that same life affirming feeling of why don't we do this? And and people were People still tell me about it. That was so fun. When's the next one? Whatever. Yeah, it was super sweet. (laughs) It's like this almost has, I guess, maybe for me less to do with Animatic Boston itself and more to do with my changing career, my changing path, including my personal life and my location. I feel like if I don't pick a lane, like if I don't move on from, <laughs> no. and to me, maybe moving on from the idea of it doesn't mean I never do it again. I don't want animatic Boston to be like season nine of a TV show that was like <laughs> good in season five, you know, they should have
1: canceled at season four. Right. Yeah. But also oh, I, I, I
0: even mean that in like how it is in my life. I just wonder if it'll make room for more things, but I don't know the answer to that. I, I'm, that's just sort of what I've been weighing. I
1: think we can, we'll solve this right now. I'm just okay. kidding. <laughs> Please. No, that's a, that's a, yeah. it's a very real. And I, I've, I don't feel that at the moment quite as yeah. intensely, but I'm, I'm really concerned after this first event and after our five-year event. Mm. And it's yeah. like, how, what's the exit strategy here? And am I disservicing a community by exiting yeah. whatever I do?
0: There's so many upsides to being in a place like Boston as an artist, but one of the downsides is, and, and I just feel like people just leave
1: it's Dude. transient as ever. Mm-hmm. And it's so, you're doing all this work to build a scene. And then it's yeah. like, people are there for two years and they're like, hey, Alex, right. it's been so great. Yeah. I'm going, I'm moving to Vancouver. I got a job. At, yeah. You know.
0: And then two years, later, how's Animatic Boston? Yeah, and exactly. I, oh,
1: are you guys doing still doing that cute thing?
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Okay. Yeah, you're hitting no. on it. Oh, sorry. No, I'll, no, no. That's I'm all... projecting a bunch of shit. <laughs> okay. Let's get into it. Well, you're hitting on, and 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 I think the territory we're getting into is a little bit ugly but let's let's, let's just oh let i it, want it let's let it get there let's let it be ugly
1: anybody that's at this point they can find out how ugly we are
0: <laughs>
1: how bitter just, <laughs> no, just uh, washed up no just um
0: <laughs> but but what you said it's like yeah that it's sometimes i feel like um <laughs> i was like their college boyfriend or something and like it ended on good terms but But now always appreciate the time you had together. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, that was just a thing I did. Oh, you still play guitar? Like, you know, (laughs) cool. Seems like you're doing great. I have a house. Yeah. 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 And I feel that in other ways, not just again, that doesn't just relate to animatic Boston. Am I I clinging to something is maybe the ugly part. Am I clinging to Boston? There's so many reasons to be here for me,
1: I think, that I've created for myself. And it's really cool. And I feel so lucky for the position I'm in but love a butt but there's always that fear that the security that the you know it's like it's like we're holding on to medium things because we're afraid of finding out we were going to fail at the big things.
0: Right. Oh God, He just <laughs> murdered me with that statement. Uh, I knew yeah. we were getting here, and it's Ooh. like, gosh, I, yeah.
1: I, are we Are we scared of something? Like, right. I know that I'm. I'm scared of going to a cold community where I everything that I thought that I built up was is just garbage to them. Mm. I'm scared of having to prove myself to people again.
0: So I think a flip side of that fear is that I am worried about becoming a person who convinces himself who this is getting, this is vulnerable. This is ugly. This, now, this is, is your stuff. fault that
1: we're here. Just so you know, and I, will I was going to just be happy. No responsibility. Nice. Perfect. <laughs> it's your, your name's probably going to be on the podcast. Yeah. That's so. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, I'm afraid of being a person who convinces themselves that the medium is enough but d- deep down, never took a shot at the big.
1: Mm, yeah, oof. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> I'm saying words while it's rippling through my soul. Let that.
0: Let that. So, you uh, so Yeah, we are. We
1: are mere images of our own fears here. I'm.
0: Yeah, and I can relate very hard to that. And this is so unfair to to project this onto people who've. <laughs> I don't want to be the person, and I've met these people, who is really excited about doing their medium thing because they were out in Hollywood and it just, you know, it's not fair and... And it's it's rigged, and I actually didn't even like Hollywood, and like blah blah, blah and, and and I'm so afraid of that. But then also, there are I I love being independent, and I love being in a small smaller city, and I I so like what what am I afraid of? I don't know.
1: That's that's uh <laughs> you're hitting you're hitting me right where it hurts, and it's I'm so sorry. No, I I love it actually. I think uh, knowing that somebody else is you know somebody else that i it's right in front of me is having yeah. these feelings yeah. i'm really proud of my life for a lot of me in a lot of ways yeah. i mean you built yourself up you built this whole i mean you know not gonna be like free market i built myself <laughs> right no but right. you you like manifested a cool thing and yeah. uh, and you're you're doing it and you're getting paid for it and you're living a life that you have like created which is really cool and I, yeah, I feel that way about myself. I'm really, you know, I'm yeah. trying to feel that about myself. I just go through phases, as I'd imagine you do. Yeah. I have, I have a, a month where I'm just like, "Geez, I need to move to New York. I need to, yeah. I need to move to L.A. I have to step it up. I gotta surround myself with people who are way more ambitious than me. Right. So I feel sphere, So I grow. So I, I get <laughs> yeah. better. But then I go through these phases where I'm just like, "This is amazing. I have a community." I can make whatever I want and it's like, you know, I used to have all these dreams of like, you know, oh yeah, I'll have a show on Adult Swim. That's right. my goal. And now it's like Adult Swim, like I don't care anymore about Adult Swim. So like why am I? why would I want need to go to New York or LA if I like I can just make whatever the hell I want and it, the technology is getting better, the access is getting better. Right. I I my skills are getting better and it's like man, if I had a contract with Adult Swim, that would be amazing, of course, but there would be there would be lawyers, there would be people I have to go through mm-hmm. and then at the end you know it's like who knows I, but but am I is me saying that is that an excuse <laughs> am I just so good oh, at my justifying God. myself out of yeah. going for the big thing by coming up with these really good reasons as to why it would be stupid and mm-hmm. why what I ha- already have is great right is that really what I think or is that me defending my ego and Damn. that is a nightmare to try to unravel.
0: Yeah, and
1: I do not know.
0: God, samezies. <laughs> <laughs> um, Perfect response. Man, I'm very happy with where I'm at now. I'm working on some cool shit right now, and and I e- even some of that is tangentially related to quote unquote Hollywood. Like I, I have you know some stuff going on. My fear is not like you're not going to name drop. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Say John, some names. John Levitt. My fear is like almost for future me. It's like I'm I'm always afraid I'm gonna like stay on a road too long. I'm happy with where I am now, and I'm even happy with like the amount of if we go back to like animatic Boston, you know, I'm happy with the amount of animatic Boston I've been doing now. I'm happy with the amount of everything, but I <laughs> I don't wanna be mean, but like we all have met somebody who is some sort of future version of us on a bad timeline. Absolutely. And and especially as it relates to local scenes. (laughs) (laughs) And there there's always a chip on the shoulder about like Hollywood or whatever their version of that institution is. I could have gone over there. but. But like this is important as I'm talking to like I'm 80, and there's some new college student, and I'm like, stay here. Don't go to Hollywood. got to stick with the scene. Yeah. (laughs) And and so that's where my – I don't know if you have that fear.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Projecting future disappointment. Right. And uh, getting too locked into something – at a time when you have the capacity and the agility and mm-hmm. the mental clarity to
0: to have made a change. And I think that comes back to like making room. Like in, my, in in the past, there's been things I've done that I loved, but once I gave them up, I noticed that I had space for something else. And, I, and totally, yeah. I just never wanna cling to it is I guess what I'm worried about. And it's not specific to animatic Boston, but that's a piece of it is that I almost feel like letting go of that would help make room for some other things that might feel like I'm moving forward. Got a few lightning round questions. What is something you learned the hard way but you're glad you learned it the hard way? To be a filmmaker. My first deep exposure in art was
1: as a musician. A lot of the things that didn't work as a musician um by the time I was 25 and started really getting serious about learning these filmmaker skills I, I feel like i was much more intentional mm-hmm. and uh i think I, I, I kind of i really felt like i could do it on my own whereas if i decided to be a filmmaker when i was 15 i think i would have been much sloppier and how like i just right. really love it all and i think i could have associated some pretty negative heavy bizarre things and uh made some really rash mistakes or, I don't yeah. know, gotten, got stuck in a film school, everything I have to make has to be perfect mentality, which I did in music school. Right. And I think a lot of fine art programs, you get stuck with these precious mentalities. But video, I, I, it's easier. I've noticed it's easier for me to fling my stuff out than a lot of my peers who maybe had more formal training. Though I've had this kind of imposter syndrome and feeling behind for the last six years of doing it, um, I feel like I've really loved it and yeah. it feels really true to me. And if I had like started it when I was younger or if, like, I don't know, like a family member had been like, Peter's a filmmaker. That's what he <laughs> does. I, I would have developed some some weird baggage around it the way yeah. I did with classical music. So I'm really thrilled that I went through an arc that didn't feel right. So when I got to this one, I really love it. Yeah. And it's... Just been really exciting, so
0: I feel thankful for that timeline. Even though I do still feel behind, I love that answer. And then the flip side of that is, what is something you learned the hard way, but you'd be more than happy for other people to learn the easy way from you, just telling the lesson right now?
1: Learn how to be nice to yourself. I learned this year that I always deep down thought I was a lazy piece of shit, and that was that I didn't work hard, and I don't, and I just I'm just a slacker idiot, and. realizing that in order to make something great you don't have to suffer you don't have to treat yourself like you're garbage you can yeah. motivate you can motivate yourself to do hard work and still enjoy it and still be nice mm-hmm. to yourself it doesn't your art is not only good if you're destroying yourself yeah that's something that was just stupid and I st- sorry stupid that was me being critical of myself that was something <laughs> that took Dude. me a long time to learn and I'm still working on it and uh but it's been so fun and nice to be like notice when I'm being mean to myself mm-hmm. be like hey wait a second what's that feeling yeah no, but it's what's hard is to even know that you have that inner critic it took me a long time to realize I was hard on myself
0: my last lightning round question is. That's a quick round. What is your, yeah, it, I would almost call it lightning fast. <laughs> Did you make that up? Yeah. Um, all right. What is your favorite thing to do that has nothing to do with filmmaking or running events? Conversation. I mean, that's mm-hmm. cheesy, but like
1: getting just, just being with people and yeah. laughing. You know, uninhibitedly and surprising each other.
0: Man, that one's good. The man.
1: Conversation is what it's about. That's why I, I want
0: the community. Love it. I love it. All right. And um, where would you direct people to look if they are like, "Who is this guy? I want to like." If some, what's your social media? You know. Yeah, that that
1: sounds good. I, I don't I know sh- why
0: that I asked that question so weird. Where can people find? You, I really. Peter, I, wanted Peter it to, I
1: wanted it. I wanted to take three more paragraphs. I was really enjoying this search, but. <laughs> Yeah, so you can uh, you can find my videos on Weird Local Productions. It's a YouTube channel, um, and Instagram is LevineP90, Levine P nine zero Levine P ninety. And uh, I should have a website, but um, an ex of mine claimed she was going to build it, and then we broke up,
0: and that
1: was many years ago
0: (laughs) (laughs) you should follow up i feel like she should finish that
1: yeah it's like uh we have unfinished business person i haven't spoken to in many years (laughs) but uh yeah no that's it's a bad excuse but uh yeah so youtube is probably if you want to watch my stuff uh it's weird local productions but there's also some videos from some of my friends as well so
0: great i love it well thank you peter levine for being the first guest on whatever this is called <laughs> <laughs> pleasure alex thank you so much for having me all right i hope you love that conversation as much as i did uh thanks again to peter levine for being a guest and a motivating force as i talked about unless this is the first podcast you've ever listened to you already know what i'm gonna say like please rate subscribe review um all those things but for real i'm starting from scratch here so uh that rating and that subscription and that review that's actually extremely helpful uh getting more people to find this. And I do want more of an audience. I do want more, um, more... More attention? Does that sound bad? More impact. You know what I mean. It's not weird. This episode was recorded at CCTV in Cambridge, Mass. Uh, Thanks to Adam Salzberg for mixing the audio and helping get this to your ears. And the theme music is by Typist, which is Adam's solo project. And uh, between you and me, you should definitely check out his album, Almanac, on Spotify. I absolutely love it. Anyway, thank you for listening to I Loved This Conversation. I'm Alex Salzberg and I'll, I'll See you next time for another episode.